I hope you're strapped in and strapped on. Dr. Clarissa Francis, the real hot girl doc. Centering my work not on the trauma, but the movement towards that liberation. Pleasure. I'm here to advocate for those who are reclaiming their bodies, celebrating their bodies. Hi, folks. Welcome back. Today, I am joined by Dr. Clarissa Francis, aka The Real Hot Girl Doc. Dr. Francis, Clarissa, if I may, uh, is a hot girl movement scholar, activist, Black sexuality education consultant, and author who focuses on Black women's sexual liberation and pleasure. Clarissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm happy to be here. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to have you on the show. And, um, you know, before we get into the weeds, I'd love to um, just start off by asking you, you know, how do you identify whatever that means to you? Hmm. Okay. It means a lot of things for me. I am, uh, let's see, I am a Black uh, cisgender woman. I am my pronouns, she, her. Um, I also uh, prefer uh, to be either referred to, um, well, it depends on the space. Uh, Serenity, I also go by Serenity, but uh, Dr. Clarissa, uh, Dr. Francis. um, Let's see, I'm a healer, I'm an educator, I'm a lover, Mm. I'm a twerker. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that too. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, originally. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia now. Yeah, those are. Those are the big ones. And we'll get into more, too. Um, so, uh, and, and before we do, as you know, um, and as my listeners know, I typically have guests share a fun or embarrassing or kind of otherwise, you know, relatable sex or dating anecdote. Um, and I know we've chatted through You've got many as, as everyone does. Um, but um, yeah, what anecdote have you have you brought to us today? So I was thinking of one um, that I'm thinking, remembering the first time. Well, I also identify um, pansexual, sexually mm. fluid. So I, um, but I, I primarily date black men, typically to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, they typically identify as heterosexual as the gender black men and so well, there was a time the first time i had a partner request um to stimulate uh their nipples <laughs> and <laughs> and i was surprised <laughs> i'm unsure how i felt about this uh-huh. <laughs> and i was not used to this from um being asked by um my partners that were men yeah uh, and so and and cis heterosexual um men, black man and he was actually pretty like like a big man too so it was like, <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was uh, funny um i mean but like oh okay and i was like doing it and i was like all right yeah yeah, yeah. And so it was, as i'm doing it, i'm really i was holding in because I, I laugh often <laughs> Yeah. I was like, we were talking about this, and I was like, I, and so I often find things 
um, funny. I laugh at myself all the time. I'm just, I chuckle to myself and I'm just like, <laughs> I was like, this is funny or whatever. And I'm just I'm so tickled. But I was like, I'm all about pleasure. I was like, I like to be pleased. <laughs> I like to please my partners. And so it matters what they do want. And I love when they're able to express and ask for what they want. Yeah. And especially if it's something that I'm, you know, if I'm um, open to doing, I was like, okay, it was just new to me, you know, and as way. And I was like, okay, I kind of be all like, you know, into it and sexy and like, and like, yeah, I do this or whatever. And, <laughs> but like, it's, I'm cracking up because I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I was like, this is I love that though, because. I love when partners surprise us, right? Like when, especially if there are stereotypes associated, right? I, like I feel you, I'm a queer woman and I often, you know, as, you know, queer cis women do in this society, right? End up in sexual situations with heterosexual cisgender men and like because there are stereotypes associated with everyone, um, not to say that there are they hold true but like when you get a surprise ask of like oh I guess I never think like cis men have sensitive nipples but like yeah I mean they do <laughs> and sure, fair enough they they can want them to be stimulated like I totally yeah. get it but, like, especially yeah. or like if the ask sort of defies like the kind of dynamic like whenever I'm in a situation where I like perceive myself as being more submissive than my partner, but then I get asked to do something kind of dominating or more, yeah. more authoritative. I'm like, Oh, okay. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> right. Same. And that's, that's the, exactly how I feel. Cause I, I typically um, like to receive, or I guess this um, referred to as a bottom or, mm-hmm. um, the submissive um, one, especially during sex, and yeah. so it was definitely it was definitely different. And then it was funny because that was it was just the first time I had this reaction. Because um, then it was common. Then I then I realized it was because it, and it was older men too. So it was like, oh yeah. Um, and I was like, huh, okay. I was like, I know that's right. I was like, Give yeah, me right. It's like, and it was just so I was just so tickled by yeah. it. Um, but also I enjoyed <laughs> yeah. seeing the reaction. Um, so I thought that was funny. And then <laughs> I, um, I was going to say another first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while performing, <laughs> while performing, um, while giving head um, also to a male partner. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I think the partner thought that I was um, going for um, their anus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> at that time, and I was like, just like that was something that I wasn't open to yet. Yeah. And, and the person, and they lift their legs up for oh. me, like, <laughs> ready, like in preparation. And I was like, oh. <laughs> 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 <I> was like, <laughs> Whoa. I was like, oh. I was like, oh, my yeah. I was like, don't mean to lead you on. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I just didn't go. I just didn't do it. But I was just like, I didn't want them to feel away about it. Um, But I also was like, I was like, I'm not there. I'm not there. Gotta keep the poker face. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it's like, and I, I feel like as a as a sex educator, it's something that like I've had to 
like it, it's something that I, I feel like is easy to talk about when I talk to other people, but in my own sexual situations, it's difficult. But like keeping the poker face and, and being in a situation where you're like, you can communicate, no, I'm not interested in doing that right now. Thank you very much. Let's let's keep on with the other stuff though without <laughs> like absolute panic. <laughs> it's easier said than done. Um, but also that's another situation where it's sort of like, you don't expect, I feel like so many straight cis men are like, just assume any ass play is yeah, gay, yeah. which is like so unfortunate. Right. And I think, yeah, and especially for cisgender, heterosexual black men, mm, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's so much um, stigma around doing anything outside of heteronormative, you know, activities. Yeah. And so something that I hope, you know, with my work with Black Women's Sexual Liberation is something I hope that it also um, encourages Black men also, mm. you know, um, cis, cis heterosexual men or, or the or queer, those who, whether they identify, whatever they identify as, just as in yeah. general, like overall, you know, it's like, it's okay to ask for what you want. If you want that, you want your nipples play with or you want your booty ate like groceries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go for X. Yeah. There are plenty who will. Suki made a whole song about it. So Yeah. Like- <laughs> and I think like that I mean that's it's it's true, right? There are so many stigmas and taboos associated with you know, race, gender, culture, all of it, right? But I will say, and I again come from a sex positive, you know, queer headspace, so like my opinion is not representative of of everyone, but I'm always like, damn, I would kill to have a prostate in addition to everything else I've got going on. You know what I mean? As a vulva owner, like just, you know what? Like if you've got a prostate, you know, play around with it. That's my two cents. But again, I understand why people have such a mental block based on their own experiences and, and the like stigma around just ass play in general. Yes. Yes. I agree. Well, I think it's a a very good segue into your background and your work. We've touched on it a little bit, but could you tell us about your journey and, um, you know, how you ended up doing the work that you do? Um, So, so what a journey. (laughs) Actually, it was so much of a journey that I did. I had to put it in a book. I had to put some of it in a book. I was like, every time I answered this question, I was like, huh. You know, it's like, okay, so um, long, I guess, long story short, <laughs> I, uh, growing up black as a black girl, woman, um, growing up into a woman, I um, heavily raised into uh, black, the black church, Christianity, mm-hmm. I was a preacher's kid, um, so grew up heavily in the church, um, so yeah. a lot of, um, a lot of uh, restriction, um not much information, if any, around uh, sex uh, or even reproductive health, sexual or reproductive yeah. health, or the body. Um, and a lot of there was a lot of uh, limitation, especially being a girl. And so it started out my journey personally uh, as not having the information, others needing the information, so, and being a naturally researcher. One, because it started as I would have questions, I was always inquisitive. And I would yeah. get told, look it up. <laughs> or I was given yeah. a book when I started my cycle menstruation. I was given a book, How the Body Works. And I studied <laughs> the reproductive yeah. system. 
um, so much that I was like, I remember the pages. It was like between like 70 something and 76. I feel like it was 72 to 76. I don't know. Mm. I should find that book one day to (laughs) to see if that was the actual pages. Um, And I just, I would educate others. I would research, educate others. I would learn things from people's experiences or by research. Um, and I guess, you know, the benefit, the biggest benefit, I became a scholar in the, mm-hmm. in this work. Um, and then I noticed others needed the information. And so, um, so that's the personal. And then with that shame that comes with that lack of information and wanting to explore, feeling like a freak or weird mm-hmm. or fast, um, slut, oh, all those different things, uh, and so I denied myself uh, exploring. I judged my own self, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fear of judgment um, and harm, you know. And so that was the personal. I actually, in um, and then fast forward, while well, I started out studying psychology and then Africana studies, and then um, I became a health peer educator. Um, at college, on my college mm-hmm. campus, after experience, um, I had, I, um, with STI testing for the first time. And so I like really became a lot more interested. I was like, I need to get this information to others. And I was like, I wanted to give it in a way that it wasn't coming off as judgy, you know, judge, judgmental, you know, yeah. um, I wanted it to be clear, direct, um, and just as a resource, you know, um, but in a fun way, like, you know, mm-hmm. in a way, to, especially because I was college students, you know, so it's like ages like 17 to like maybe 25, um, yeah. you know, so, uh, so it started there and then, um, but it was still kind of something on the side because I was studying Africana studies Mm-hmm. Um, I was more interested in the psychological effects of slavery um, mm-hmm. on those of the African diaspora. And then I um, became really interested in Black women's health uh, mm-hmm. and sexuality because I, um, being a health educator, I was really, I became um, more informed on the uh, disproportionate rates um, among the African American. Uh, communities uh, as it relates to sexually transmitted infections, um, with heart disease, and uh, and what else? Um, It was something else. Later, I ended up learning more about with uh, with, uh, as it related to reproductive health. Um, But at that time, it was just specifically stress management as it relates to how stress was related to um, your heart health. Mm -hmm. Um, I lost a father, my father... um, uh, transition at 33 years old um, uh, from a heart attack. And so that led to that interest and then just the lack of information around um, sex and reproductive health. I was just like, okay. Um, and, not, you know, knowing the stats. And so so later, so when I came to Clark Atlanta, I moved to Atlanta to go to Clark Atlanta mm-hmm. Um and I worked with the health peer educators on campus, training them um, on different topics, uh, specifically with mental health, sexual health, uh, and other chronic illnesses. Something that I noticed, because uh, much of my work when I got into more sexual health mm. work, um, I've primarily, like, typically many of us start in, like, in prevention, so, like, HIV, AIDS, prevention. Yeah. 
working on a, a grant a project, a grant funded project. And so a lot of our work was around HIV AIDS awareness. Um, and I noticed that there was not enough uh, conversation or tools um, being offered um, around healing and mm. pleasure. And so with my, all of my, uh, with, with my training and my um, education um, included trauma, like it was, you know, learning about trauma and experiences of oppression and harm, uh, to those of the African diaspora. And and Mm. I was like, and I wonder, I was like, well, where, when do we talk about the healing piece or the Mm. pleasure, you know? And, um, and so I wanted to incorporate that into my work. And so the deeper I got into it, I even, uh, got into, I was practiced as a massage therapist and, um, Reiki healer uh, mm-hmm. for some years, and because that was that that piece of that stress management piece, um, and then I wanted to combine all of those pieces together. So having that history, that healing piece, and then the activism, you know, doing mm-hmm. the work. Uh, and so I was trained in conscious erotic touch um, here in Atlanta. Um, I got a Samina, and I in that tantra is where where all of my interests um, combine. And mm-hmm. so it was that history. It was like who I wanted to, you know, um, include and why is needed. And then also the healing piece, you know, and so addressing that trauma and re- removing that shame, mm-hmm. um, those removing those blockages, doing like energy work um, and touch. And um, and then the activism piece. And so pleasure activism um, is what I center my work around mm-hmm. with uh, the hot girl movement, um, that my, my dissertation around Black women's sexual liberation, the hot girl movement, um, and uh, the word uh, popularized by Adrienne Marie Brown with uh, her book, uh, Pleasure Activism, Politics of Feeling mm-hmm. Good. And so that was something I wanted to use as a lens for the work that I do as a pleasure activist um, is centering my work, not on the trauma or the struggles, but the uh, but the movement towards that liberation, which includes pleasure, you know, and what does that look like? And so. I believe that's that was my long story short for our, yeah. how I got into this work. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it's fascinating. You know, I I hear um, a lot of different sex educators and sex coaches and sex therapists talk about their journey, and um, but I think not not too many that I have spoken to, you know, ground themselves in the history of it and use that as part of a basis to understand. Um, the the context around the healing and and to your point so much of of what is talked about in the i mean in the context of of sex ed and and healing from sexual trauma but also like institutional trauma system systemic trauma right from generations of oppression or, or marginalization it's like when do we get to the the good part right and mm-hmm. um i at least in social media you know i've seen so much um more of an attention to black joy and black liberation yes. um 
which is great. Like that should be, it's not, it's not that we should as a society ignore, of course, the, the history, but it's important to celebrate that, you know, black joy exists. It's not just the, the oppression and the history tied to, um, and obviously, you know, being us based, the conversation, um, has been more and more mainstream really in the last few years, which I think is important that we're having the conversations and, um, and learning from one another. Um, and one of the things that you mentioned is, and, and of course we talked about before that you are a hot girl movement scholar activist. You did your dissertation in that for listeners who are maybe new to the term or who have kind of just seen it on social media as like a hashtag hot girl summer type phrase in passing. Could you maybe describe what the hot girl movement means and sort of the, what it means in this greater context of, of black sexual liberation? Yeah. So, uh, so a part of, so I'll speak about uh, my, my role in it and I um, could speak to uh, the greater, the movement of the hot girl Mm -hmm. movement. And so inspired, like, so 2019, uh, Megan Thee Stallion, um, artist, Texas, Mm -hmm. as we mentioned, talking about, um, but uh, she released song with, you know, Nicki Minaj, Ty Dolla Sign, Hot Girl Summer, which Mm -hmm. came after the term was being used, like Hot Girl Shit and Hot Girl Summer and all of that. And um, and then also 2019, uh, Adrian Marie Brown's book, Pleasure Activism, Politics of Feeling Good was the release. And it was also the time when I was like, what am I going to, <laughs> what am I going to uh, <laughs> uh, narrow my focus on? I knew I was going to focus on Black women's sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it something clicked for me um, as when Hot Girl Summer and the politics of feeling good. Um, and so professionally and personally in my life, I was like, okay. I was like, something's mm. going on here. Cause I noticed that in music, I was like, okay. I was like, they are collaborating. They're co- like, it was like, I seen black women collectively celebrating themselves, each other's, their bodies unapologetically mm. and expressing what they want sexually. Um, and talking about pleasure publicly c- together, <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah. this is not common. This is something um, that we have not seen yet. In, in this magnitude in history, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I did my, I asked um, Black women who primarily censored their work around Black women's sexual liberation on, um, of their inspiration, like who inspired them, what inspired them. And a lot of them mentioned music, you know, and different artists such as like Little Kim, um, Janet Jackson, uh, mm-hmm. even Destiny's Child and Beyonce's um, transition from, you know, uh, from when she was in Destiny's Child to uh, to Beyonce that we know today. And mm-hmm. um, and I mentioned, and others mentioned, like TLC, you know, and Salt and Pepper. You know, we have so many, Foxy Brown, um, and many others, Missy Elliott. Uh, and so while Black women are still, you know, um, fighting for that the um that bodily autonomy you know that uh, sexual freedom being able to express themselves freely um and pleasure of you know yeah. uh, access and pleasure um this has been done privately 
you know, and whenever it has been done publicly, there there has been some type of cr- criticism, um, yeah. punishment, you know, critique, um, shaming, and um, and then I noticed that there was a shift of the the of not caring collectively, <laughs> not caring yeah, yeah. as much. I can't say it not at all, but um, not as much. And so it is the high girl movement is the uh, black women's um, pursuit of sexual liberation, and I define mm-hmm. that as sexual liberation as um, bodily autonomy, so as the control of the body. And so here, um, this uh, includes when we talk about reproductive justice. Um, you know, and the decisions around the body and sexual freedom, freedom, you know, freedom of sexual expression and consent. And so this is being able to make decisions around um, uh, sex and um, sexual expression um, and having that being honored um, and then pleasure. And this is uh, self-defined you know, um, by the individual, what that means for them. Adrian Marie mm. Brown with politics of feeling good is like, what feels good to you? And yeah. if you ask a group of people or if you ask individuals who have historically um, been denied um, denied uh, access to all of these things, bodily autonomy, control of the body, uh, sexual freedom, you know, yeah. and uh, in um and pleasure, because oftentimes uh, it's been pain. It's been yeah. trauma, you know, um, even the roots and uh, the origins of gynecology is mm-hmm. uh, is rooted in the abuse, you know, and pain of enslaved Black women. And yeah. so uh, the, it, it becomes a, it's more than a social media movement uh, because this is, we see this in all aspects. So this is in health. You know, healthcare. This is in um, in uh, literature. This is in music. It's um, in in many ways. We see this even with relationships, in the conversations um, that we're having now that are different. Yeah. While there's some critique and pushback, so it's about being unapologetic of pursuing those things: that bodily autonomy, that sexual freedom, and pleasure, and. Yeah. Um, and those who are getting in the way of that or not support of that, fuck them. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like, <laughs> and and is and that is I've seen that happening, um, and not that it started in 2019, but it was just a marker and like, hmm, yeah, what's going on? It's like this, and so with Hot Girl Summer is a celebration of that. It's just like yeah. I want to say Hot Girl. Like real hot girl shit, and uh, many people think it's only relating to like having multiple sexual partners, which that is anyone's prerogative, whether they want to have no partners or multiple partners, because that happens. Um, And and that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, and, but it's more than that. It's being able to say like, this is what I want to do with my body, Yeah, you know, and having that honored, like that's, you know, for a group, for uh, individuals or a group of people where that was not always the case of being yeah. able to say, this is what I want to happen to my body. Um, and this is what I don't want. And this is what brings me pleasure versus yeah. just having to be, um, to, um, endure pain, yeah. you know? And so 
while people want to just focus on that piece about like, oh, this is just an excuse to be on some whole shit or right. like, <laughs> or to be a slut or da 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 da. That's why I love like the different ways in which those in music, like while we see this in many ways, but I just love that <laughs> how loud those yeah. in music are. Like um, even like with Amber Rose with the slut walk uh, with mm-hmm. Suki and um, Sexy Red. <laughs> and their music yeah. and Lotto, Megan Thee Stallion, Nicki Minaj. Like, it's so many of them that it's, yeah. and some people's like, oh, this is all they're talking about now. Like, yeah, because it's yeah, cool it's now. Yeah. It's, it's trending for us to actually get what we want, like to actually right. speak up about it because we're all doing it. Yeah. It's like, this is a trend that I can get with. Like, this yeah. is a. This is like if everybody started to incorporate more vegetables in their diet. It's like, oh, it's, right. so, it's just a trend. Like everyone's trying to be all healthy, right. <laughs> whatever. It's just like, okay. It's like, yeah. And thank you so much for taking the time to break that down because I do think that this idea of a hot girl movement, like I, I only really had a deeper understanding of it because I'd gone out of my way to learn more about and read things written or said by Megan the Stallion, right? And I think mm-hmm. if you're just like mindlessly scrolling on Instagram, yeah. especially if you're not listening to rap or R&B or hip hop, right? And you're not mm-hmm. ingrained into your point, some of the the trend, if you don't take the time to acknowledge it, um, especially for white people, you know, and I obviously speak as a white woman who if I wasn't in the sex ed community, like would just be another person scrolling on Instagram or Twitter. It's just like a OMG hot girl summer. I'm doing my thing, getting dick, you know, whatever. And it's not, and it's not, you don't, you don't understand what's, what's going on. And you made the the analogy to eating vegetables. Like suddenly it's cool to be healthy. (laughs) And like, it it is, it's like, yeah, I mean, now that it's trendy and now that people have, as a collective made it mainstream as opposed to it being, you know, just one person creating this like counterculture movement. Um, it's more accepted than it has been as it should have always been. But um, so I learned about uh, Adrian Marie Brown and, and pleasure activism um, just a couple of years ago. I was a little bit behind and I heard it through some other sex educator friends of mine and it rocked my world. Um, and it's, for, for listeners, I think it's probably come up on the show before, but for listeners who aren't familiar with it, like, go read it. It's not just a, yes. it's not like a sex ed textbook or something, right? Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an important message about enjoying yourself, right? And it's not just, yes. it's not a book that's just about, like, masturbation, right? Um, no, right. It is a pleasure Bible, though. <laughs> you definitely Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> How serendipitous that kind of when you were searching for the message really that those two things sort of came together um, at like the perfect time. It was definitely, it was, it was definitely, it was divine. And it yeah. was just, it, it was, it was, it was deep. And I was just like, okay, yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and then it just made, even made more sense. The more, even when I talk about it later, I was just like, wow. Yeah. And I was like, wow. <laughs> it's like, you know, I was like, this just made sense. And even with my journey as colorful as it sounds, as <laughs> you may see my hair, um, <laughs> it, it, it makes sense. It's like, I did, I don't know if it made as much sense while I was exploring and going through the journey personally and professionally. Yeah. Um, it's like looking back, I was just like, okay. 
that's what I needed. And it was all those key pieces, as I mentioned, like the history. I needed the history. I needed to know the why um, this work is important. How did we get here? Um, The healing piece, you know, of needed to not just be knowledgeable about the healing, uh, about healing and types of healing. I, I wanted to first, I wanted to experience healing. Um, in my own journey, but also become like, well, tap into being a healer. And so, you know, practice my different, the different modalities. And then the activism piece is like applying that, you know, information. Yeah. And I'm curious too, could you tell us a little bit about, I know you mentioned, um, you just use the word modalities, but a couple, like a few different sort of um, somatic or physical kind of healing techniques. You mentioned Tantra. You mentioned uh, being, I think, Reiki trained as well. Could you talk a little bit about how, um, you know, through your lens, like what it is that folks hold sort of in their bodies, having kind of internalized, um, you know, whatever it is that they've experienced either in their day-to-day or kind of historically, ancestrally, and, you know, how different um, practices can help to support that healing and what that sort of looks like um, for folks who just aren't familiar with it. Well, I, when I'll say in general, of just it just uh, as it around, it's still limited the way that we approach sex, sexuality, yeah. um, and so that it's stigma. There's still stigma, and even having the conversations, like even just having the basic conversations, like it's still very easy yeah. of what's going on. Um, like in Florida, yeah, you know, as it relates to the curriculum of what's being taken out um, when it's in this. And we've seen this in other places. While that is a, a public example, there's yeah. so many other examples and other spaces, you know, places where even in like in Georgia, Ohio, you know, just different places, the other places in the South. Yeah. Um, but just for example of I remember working with a young group of people. Um, they were from a rural part of Georgia and needing to show, um, they told me that they needed to show their ID just to get a condom. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So just that, and that's that's basic, that is like basic, you know, sex education is like being able to have access to condoms, you know? Um, so it's like, we can't even get into the deeper, you know, um, The deeper work. So I'll just say that in general, that there's stigma and uh, and so, but specifically with who, who I work with um, and as Black women of what we hold in um, in our bodies and how things manifest. So energy. So those who um, in practice are familiar with energy work, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's Reiki um, or um, even in massage therapy. You know, um, in different types of massage therapy uh, or therapists. Um, and Tantra, we have an understanding that emotions, feelings, um, and experiences can manifest um, in your body in different ways. And so we yeah. hold it, whether someone recognizes it, recognizes it as tension mm-hmm. um, or recognizes it as a blockage yeah. or um, trauma, you know. And so it in specifically of what we focus on with Black women um, with um, experiences of not having control of the body, having shame mm-hmm. around the body, um, experiencing trauma uh, in their lives, having lived experiences of trauma, but then also historically, you know, um, experiences of tra- sexual trauma and fear of judgment, fear of harm, 
you know, because it's real, you yeah. know, of actual events happening um, just yeah. for being having the identity of a black woman. And so um, some uh, will deny themselves, you know, of tapping in to that pleasure or what they find it exploring what they like or what feels good to them and not and may not know. And if you are unaware, you may not be able to express that to your partner, you know, and yeah. so and also even feeling safe. So if you experience some form of trauma or if you heard these messages growing up, uh, cover up or being fast or um, don't be a slut, you know, um, and then and then all of a sudden, when you are partnered or an adult or married or whatever situation, you're supposed to become this sexual goddess, you know, or yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to just yeah. know. I'm just supposed to click and be like, yes, right. now I can be sexual because yeah. I'm an adult or because I'm married or because I'm whatever it is, you know, that yeah. they told me that I should be in order to be a sexual person. And yeah. it doesn't happen. Yeah. No, it's not a light switch. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. And so a lot of when I talk to women, it's a lot of like deprogramming those messages. Mm. Healing, I always I encourage any everyone, but specifically when I'm speaking to black women, um, because of the the historical uh experiences um of black women in our bodies, um, yeah. and also the lived experiences um with trauma. Um, around our bodies and sex and sexuality is I encourage seeking professional help, whether this is a therapy, mental, mental health counselor, Mm -hmm. spiritual, um, uh, spiritual leader, um, or a somatic um, or tantra practitioner uh, to help you navigate uh, through those, those feelings, those experiences, those blockages um, that you're holding and that's manifesting in other ways, you know, is manifesting into illnesses, um, is manifesting, you know, is preventing you from, from, uh, releasing. And so like in literally orgasms, you know, of not yeah. being able to orgasm or being comfortable of exploring orgasm or, um, feeling safe enough to allow a partner to explore, you know, yeah. um, it's just so many different things. It shows up differently. Some things are similar and some are different from um, others. And some um, may have tapped into um, tapped into being able to maybe orgasm or experience pleasure, um, but there could still be some other blockages there or some um, shame uh, that comes along with it, you know, um, where you're not really fully able to enjoy it or you feel like you feel guilty about it. Yeah. Or, you know, or, you know, of how you select partners, you know, based on especially for black women who who uh, are dating or in relationships with black men who they have Mm -hmm. their trauma as well. You know, their experiences of trauma collectively and lived experiences that is not talked about enough. Yeah. You know, and so we come in together with all this baggage, this trauma. And trying to like unpack it, yeah, yeah, something that should be simple that we think is simple is we try to make it seem like you know it's you know like with sex or pleasure, yeah. um, it's it's challenging because it, it comes with having a um 
you know, being self-aware enough of your stuff, you know, yeah. your trauma, your baggage, your, um, um, and if you haven't dealt with that, if you are one, if you're not even aware of where to start, you know, so that's what's important to uh, connect with a, a professional. And so my, the way that I, um, the modalities that I chose to um, tap into with touch, so somatic work, starting out massage therapy yeah. and energy work, uh, you know, even with the chakras uh, system and how they're associated with different parts of the body. They're in different organs are associated with different emotions. And so like we have with fear and um, anger, grief, um, you know, uh, associated with different organs. And so, yeah. uh, and so this is what I would tell for others, for people who may uh, not be aware or interested, you know, when just think about when you're stressed or when you are, uh, experiencing maybe anxiety or, um, you know, or different feelings that you, or emotions or states that you may be in. Just think about the parts of your body that you feel it in. You know, oftentimes when we have some anxiety or stress, our shoulders are high, they're lifted. And so typically when I'm working on people's bodies, um, I feel it all in their shoulders and their neck. And I could tell, it's like, mm, like I always like, oh, you holding on to some other people's stuff. And so uh, something that I noticed, something when, even when I was working on people as a massage therapist, where I felt for me, it wasn't enough, is what are you doing in your everyday life to um, to do with what you got going on? Like, this isn't just physical. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So, you doing to relax or enjoy or to for fun what are you doing mm-hmm. and, and especially when I was um, working on black women and oftentimes they wouldn't have anything they would say like oh like you know um, um, it was an afterthought taking care yeah. of everyone else um, giving to everyone else which um, is something culturally is expected you mm-hmm. know of black women and even go back to uh, while enslaved of caring for others, caring even for those who were enslaving, you know, us. Um, and so that's just something that's continued. And there's even a a guilt, a guilt around taking care of yourself. And so that's why I love the, uh, like the nap ministry. Um, and like you said, with the joy, like black girl joy, um, yeah. black girl therapy, mm-hmm. um, Megan the Stallion with bad, bad bitches have bad days too. You know, yeah. where it's just the links on there and resources, um, in which I, I include also in, in the end of my book, uh, Freak Like Me, mm-hmm. uh, of resources uh, for Black women to check into, to, it's like, what are you doing for yourself? You know, yeah. it's important. We are, we take care of so many people. Um, but, you know, it's that, that whole notion of filling your cup, keeping your cup full, you know, while you're pouring into others. And many of us are operating um, with an empty cup, you know, on fumes. Yeah. Still giving. It's like driving a car somehow yeah. and find it. It's like that extra little, I don't know, I have an older car, so I'm <laughs> just taking a chance. But I know where there's some cars, the newer cars, they let you know. Or, you know, you kind of have a little left. You got like a gallon or so yeah. left <laughs> after you run out of gas, kind of. <laughs> um, yeah. You get that notice. Me. 
for the older cars. <laughs> it's like, oh, just taking a chance. And that's how I feel like it's yeah. close to that. It's kind of like, mm, we taking a chance. We don't know when we right. might stop. <laughs> you know? So it's like, oh, let's see. And I think a lot of people are operating in that way in general, mm. but I'll see that specifically with Black women. And so that's why I, I center my work around, and specifically why all of the work is important as it relates to mental wellness um, and physical wellness. Um, but the reason I'm interested, specific part of the reason uh, with sexual wellness and liberation is because that is that has been um, that has been given the least attention in yeah. in this way in a healing. Uh, through a healing lens. There's been a lot of attention from a the critique, criticism and the uh, commodification of Black women's yeah. bodies and the pleasure for others. And now it's our time <laughs> to reclaim yeah. that. It's like we are making money from our bodies and our mm. sex, sexuality, you know, um, and people have a problem with it. <laughs> and yeah. that's okay. Of course y'all do. It's like, a, you right. know, that's fine as in carry on we're gonna carry on yeah and and that's what i'm here for i'm here to advocate for those who are uh, reclaiming their bodies celebrating their bodies um yeah and doing the work whether it's for themselves personally or for others yeah well i i think one of the important things for for folks um you know who don't understand the relevancy of of history to sort of the the hot girl movement today but but you know sexual liberation movements in general is if you don't have the history you don't have an appreciation for the work that's being done and i i hope for listeners who don't have some of this context that they can hear you speak about this and like learn something and understand why um you know megan the stallion doing her thing everyone else participating in the movement like why it's important it's not just like wop for wop's sake right um and and you know I, i think it's you made a good point too and you know we like it comes up a lot on on the show just like what we hold in our bodies and you know every like I feel like I talk about therapy every time I have an episode just because I'm I'm very like loudly pro pro therapy um but it's 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 mental health it's physical wellness but to your point it's 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 the pleasure activism piece I feel like people forget and like I don't see a ton of it and even the sex ed community folks who know adrian marie brown's work too it's like a is your cup full because you can't you can't give everything to everyone else if you aren't also giving to yourself and i i think it's an important point that maybe doesn't get talked about enough so thank you for sharing that too yes one thing that you've you've mentioned before uh to me was um twerking is healing (laughs) could you (laughs) could you quickly talk about that for folks who are um you know, who haven't heard of, of twerking as a form of healing before. Okay. Yeah, sure. So first, uh, let's see, historically, mm-hmm. uh, twerking uh, is rooted in um, Africa. And so while people uh, typically think of twerking for some reason, they think of Miley Cyrus. Oh, uh, and they, <laughs> and it's like okay, girl. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, uh, and you know, and what we see today, which is just variations of it, of the movements, of the gyration, um, of the shaking, the vibrating, yeah. has been used historically, traditionally, um, in ceremonies and for fun. Is that it um, used? Uh, 
to be appealing, um, you know, to to men and, mm-hmm. and also just celebration of womanhood. And it feels good. And then also um, the the energetic piece to it also is, uh, you know, related, like when we talk about uh, sacral chakra and sensuality, creativeness uh, with the womb, uh, when I talked about um, holding energy, holding trauma, you know, we uh, in certain spaces um, when I'm uh, speaking uh, with black women of holding that trauma in our wombs, you know, mm-hmm. so there's different ways to release that. And it can be in um, orgasms. It can mm-hmm. be um, doing detoxes. There's themes. There's other forms of releasing, menstruation. Um, but then also um, in movement. And so in general, like movement is beneficial. Like we had a lymph, uh, lymphatic uh, system. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, you move, as you move, you are assisting your body to release uh, toxins. Mm-hmm. And so specifically moving the hips, you know, and the body, that area of your body, which can be really tight. And so, you know, encouraging yoga, stretching, doing hip openers, because um, you have that clothes symb- symbolic to um, that creativity, you know, that sensuality, you know, that release is closed mm-hmm. too. So uh, when I speak of twerking, um, I offer recently started offering um, a twerk and release class. I just offered it for the mm-hmm. Sex Down South conference. Um, and I offered it for a booty fest, a virtual, uh, a virtual, um, virtual booty fest. Um, and uh, where is, I speak of it as a, a healing practice. One, because it was beneficial. I personally benefited from twerk therapy. <laughs> um, yeah. I twerked my way through my program, um, my doctorate, because uh, it was I was stressed, I yeah. was tired, I was discouraged, I didn't want to do it no more. <laughs> I was, yeah. uh, it was a lot, and it was trauma. It was, it was uh, a lot of trauma. Um, mm. You know, when I've had a long time of studying the trauma and oppression of those of the African diaspora and specifically yeah. black women and being a black woman who has also experienced, have lived experiences, not only, you know, historical or, you know, cultural yeah. experiences, but lived experiences of experiencing trauma, you know, um, it was a lot. And so there was times yeah. when um, I was just so grateful for those like Megan Thee Stallion and others, Cardi B, who I love. Yeah. Um, and I love to collaborate. I want more of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Lotto and so many of them, uh, Janelle Monet, um, mm-hmm. uh, releasing music that I could twerk to, that I could move my body to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels amazing. Like I, that we, I used to do that more than I would work out. Like I would start my days hype. It'd be It'd be like nine o'clock in the morning, nine, ten o'clock, and I got to write a chapter or got to edit or do something yeah. for my dissertation or I have to do some something related to my uh, finishing. Uh, and I needed, that was my, that was my, uh, my morning worship. Like that was my, yeah. I, it got me hype. And I was like, at nine, ten, it was better than coffee. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, so it's a lot of benefits for like movement is, is good in general, you know, yeah. I mean, and it also, it could be beneficial for, you know, experiences of 
um, when like with stress, um, depression, uh, and that was those were things that it was beneficial for me because it was just sometimes I just didn't feel like doing anything. Yeah, uh, alone doing anything related to school. <laughs> um, yeah. and then I had going on in my personal life that I was just like, I don't care about <laughs> school right now. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I got to get done. I was like, I'm just tired. <laughs> I have to get past this. I got to do this for my people. Got to yeah. do this for my family, for my grandma, because I had lost my grandmother uh, while in my program and mm. at the beginning, at the, my first semester. Uh, and so it was just like, I was like, okay, I can't do this just for me. I was like, I have nephews, you know, I was like, I have, you know, thinking of younger generations, I had to yeah. pull from every everywhere because it wasn't just about me because I would have stopped. <laughs> I wouldn't have yeah. did it. <laughs> it was just about me. Um, and so when I talk about twerking as a healing, and I also did a, um, a dope uh, collaboration and we'll be working together in the future too with, um, with a uh, Dr. Michelle Meggs, who does work on ratchet womanism, um, mm. And we we presented at a conference on uh, um, bouncing that ass, and so we also spoke to bounce music and with New Orleans and like the history of that, you know, type of dance and movement because it is amazing. I don't know if you've seen the way the bounce of that with New Orleans dancing, and that's like a whole nother level, like that. Like we twerking, we may be doing some things here, you know, yeah. in some spaces, but that type of movement is so similar to like when you look at the roots, you know, you look at some uh, traditional dance and African traditional dancing, you know, when so people trying to demonize, um, you know, or critique twerking and again, yeah. attacking it just like, you know. As I mentioned earlier, like, oh, this is just a trend. Like, why is everybody twerking? You know, or whatever. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is nothing new. This is nothing new. I know. Yeah. This is just the first time that it's actually been celebrated and we could do it publicly and we do not care, you know? And mm-hmm. and now we offering classes, <laughs> you know, yeah. for it. And, you know, again, come, uh, you know, finding ways to benefit. Like, it's, it's, it's an issue when we find ways to benefit from things right. that are things that are pleasurable to us. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm hoping listeners pay attention that this the history for folks who who don't know the history of movements like twerking, right? Just because they haven't taken the time to learn anything about it, except for seeing the Miley Cyruses of the world do it, right? It's like <laughs> eye opening to understand not just where certain experiences or certain practices come from, right? But like the the importance of of how they can come into play today and and healing in terms of the sexual liberation of black women. Um and one thing you mentioned is um, some collaborations that you've done, some conferences you've done. I know you've got some upcoming events. So for folks who are looking to, you know, learn more and get in touch with you, where where can they find you? How can people um, work with you and um, attend your events? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Facebook, The Real Hot Girl Dot, and uh, there you can find a link to um, many. I usually uh, have links to whatever events I have coming up. I uh, have um, merch, so I sell t-shirts, hoodies, mm-hmm. uh, my book, Freak. Freak uh, like me, yes. become the real hot girl. Dot. You want to learn more about my experience, my story, um, and this also includes some journal prompts. Uh, so I talk about lessons learned. 
I include um, Dia Journal Prompt so you can unpack some of your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I have uh, resources at the end. I got a really dope real, uh, Hot Girl Movement playlist at the end, along with some affirmations, Hot Girl affirmations. So it's it's um, it's a whole experience in the book. That's great. And <laughs> so you can find that online on my website. It's also available on Amazon. Awesome. And for folks listening, I will link below in the show notes. So um, be sure to check it out. Um, Sounds like there's a lot of really great work going on. Um, So hopefully folks will click below. Um, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time for um, talking with me and, and, you know, the podcast listeners and, you know, sharing everything that you, you do. Thank you for having me. All right, folks. Thanks so much. And we will catch you next time.